Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Uh, we're part of the Greater Locked On Podcast Network, where you can check out, uh, you know, there's a Cowboys one out there flying around if you want to check that out. We're here for you every single day. And so is the Cowboys version, so is the fantasy basketball version, and uh, so is the Locked On NBA version um, for you to enjoy on your lunch break or whatever it is that you do, maybe walking the dog, maybe avoiding your kids, who knows. But this is the Lockdown Mavericks podcast for Tuesday, December 13th, following a, uh, a Mavericks victory at home. We'll get to that here in just a second. My name is Mike Marshall at Machine Sports on Twitter. If you're interested in that kind of thing, he is at not Jack Kemp on Twitter. Jacob Kemp, what's your middle name? Matthew. Okay. I thought I knew it was an M. All, wasn't... all biblical. <laughs> straight. Straight from the book. <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> it worked out great. Um... Uh, this is the Lockdown Podcast, uh, Lockdown Mavericks Podcast, and uh, we're here for you every single day, and we're brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, you can check out SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app uh, if you're interested in going to see the uh, the Buccaneers play the Cowboys on December 18th, maybe the Cotton Bowl, January 2nd, uh, and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets are already up and flying for January 8th. Um, they're going to gather up all the tickets, put them in one spot for you. Take out all that uh, that legwork of running around the internet and trying to buy the uh, or find the best uh, best price. They'll grade them for you. A green grade will be good. A red will be bad. And uh, it's pretty simple. It's a fantastic idea. A great app that uh, saves you a lot of time. And oh, by the way, saves you some money as well. If you go into that SeatGeek app on your phone, you go to the Me tab, which will be on the bottom right. It's just like the Accounts tab on most apps. Uh, enter the enter the uh, Hit the enter promo code uh, little bar and put in the promo code LOMAVS, as in locked on Mavs. You will receive $20 off your first uh, ticket purchase via the SeatGeek app. And they'll send that to you in a rebate form, either to your Venmo or they'll mail it to your domicile. And hey, whatever the ticket price was, take 20 off the top and there you go. You're set up via SeatGeek and uh, using the promo code LOMAVS. So get out there and go, to, go see some stuff. Why not if you're yeah. saving 20 bucks? Listen, if you're following a team that is in the middle of what I'm certain after last night's win is going to be a swift rebuild where we're back to prominence in two years, mm-hmm. you need to right now go sit as close to the floor as possible. <laughs> no because doubt. Because there are insanely good deals for NBA tickets on SeatGeek right now that you can get like in the first 10 rows. Yeah. And I've never actually done that, but the next time that there's a time when we have a Mavs game where I don't, I'm not doing post game, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sit down there. Yeah, I mean, buy find that sixty dollar ticket that gets you in the lower bowl and take twenty off the top. 
It's Why not? insane, dude. And, yeah. and it doesn't really matter how bad a team is. No. If you are sitting close to an NBA game, you will never watch the game the same way. And I've only done it for about 10 minutes. I've never done it for a whole game. Right. And even that, I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah, I watching mean, that level of athlete like yeah. compete that close is insane. I did it once in Cash's seats. He, uh, he got me seats to like five rows up, almost 50-yard line. And uh, it was – the Trailblazers were in town, and oddly enough, I was sitting behind, like, Wesley Matthews' like uncle and aunt, mm. and uh, his girlfriend at the time came and sat down right in front of us, and it was, it was just spectacular watching uh, basketball at that level. But um, the Mavericks yeah. uh, couldn't help themselves last night. <laughs> the yeah, nug- I mean, nuggets. I think it's going to be a weird balance throughout the year where we're like – they don't need to lose every game. <laughs> right. You have to have enough I mean, wins to stay encouraged. Yeah, and, and I think just it helps if, like, some of the younger guys are playing. Anytime Wes is playing well, mm-hmm. um, it's it makes me happy. Right. Um, I want to spend some time talking Finney Smith, but just in sure. general, just in general, they don't – they're 6-18 and 18 now. I mm-hmm. think they're tied with the 76ers, who, by the way – I think someone told me he rolled his ankle. I couldn't find any info on it, but Noel looked like a effing monster in the 15 minutes he played the other night. Like, they have to move him. Yeah. That guy's way too good to be coming off the bench right now, and they beat the tar out of the Pistons the other night. Um, wow, 97-79. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, they, I think they were up by 25 at one point. Damn. Um, and that the Pistons are in here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, they're, on a, they're on a winning streak. They smoked the Pelicans the other night. I worked that game. They've been good. I mean, they've been they they are a collection of of parts that none of them are are. I mean, Morris is leading them in scoring with like fifteen. So it's not <laughs> they don't really have any one guy, but they've got a, a number of. And I Greg Monroe is going to be an effing problem. Uh, not not Greg Monroe, but Andre Drummond the, uh, tomorrow night whenever uh, the Mavericks yeah. host them because that's the sort of, you know, you can't roll pal out there against him. Right. They will, though. Last night, because of all the beef the Nuggets have, it was more of a measury game. Although Powell ended up playing 22 minutes as well, but 22 minutes for measury is a lot. And he basically set the tone for the game early by just punking the shit out of Yusuf Nurkish. <laughs> what, was that, that's his best game, right? <laughs> yes. That's got to be Salah's was. best game. Dude, it seemed like exceptionally physical in the first half. Like, they yeah. were going right at Salah's head, and he was like, come on again. You got another? Who else? It was else? pretty great. It was pretty great. And that's a guy that, you know, no one thinks he's going to be like a starting big on a, on, a, on a contending team. But I think he could be a bit player, like a third or fourth big. I think, I think him and Pal are similar. They do different things, obviously, but they're similar in what their high side is, which is just they can help you. You don't really want either one of them to be the starter. But if your starter is someone, and we're just going to use Noel's name as a placeholder uh, going forward, if that's your guy and he's playing 35 minutes, there's nothing wrong with splitting, yeah. you know, 20 to 25 to 34 and five minutes between Measury uh, and Powell. And Powell was decent last night himself. He was four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Measury goes three for three. But Wes is just – Wes is on fire right now. Yeah, he's and on another level. <laughs> It's not even so much that he's shooting the ball so well because he is. He was 5 of 7 from 3 again last night. On the year, I think he's up over 40% now. Um, He's on pace to have a career year, basically. And no one really – everyone always just talks about Harrison Barnes in the idea of, well, he was a 3 or a 4, and he wanted this opportunity Mm -hmm. to show that he could play differently. But, 
you very rarely hear that said about Wes. Like, it's almost like no matter what he does, people just think he's a complimentary piece because right. he doesn't really go to the rim. Mm-hmm. So when he was in Portland, he was three or four. Last yep. year, when Parsons was healthy, he was three or four. And I think it's mostly just because of the way he plays. And that's why people thought that about Barnes, too. But right out of the gate this year, Barnes was playing and handling the ball totally different than he had at any point of his career. Wes hasn't totally done that. He's just taking way more of the same sort of shots. He did have two plays last night where he actually went to the rim. Yeah. Uh, and he it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I think we're still in like the uh, late 90s, early 2000 mindset that if uh, – if you're going to lead my offense, you got to be an isolation-worthy player, you know what I mean, and create your own shot inside. Or well, at least go in the pick-and-roll. Yeah, run a pick-and-roll or create your own shot inside the three-point line uh, going at the basket. And Wes, he doesn't do any of that, but he's also scoring like 25 points a game over the last 15. <laughs> so there's some there's got to be somewhere in between. And people can use the, oh, oh someone's got to score on a bad team type thing. That's not what's happening. Like, he's been uh, supremely – efficient uh in his outburst that he's had over the last you know three weeks yeah and this doesn't sound like a lot but this early in the season he's already up half a drive per game yeah uh, to to three which is three is about what you get from i'm trying to think of i mean like let me see who else has around that number on their team let's Mm. see uh anderson has three and a half that sort of player right he's gonna go to the rim about three or four times a game Mm mm-hmm uh, you know, Berea is on the high side going nuts with like 11. Harrison Barnes is actually at four and a half, which I don't – it's going to take me a minute to get last year's number for him in front of me, but I guarantee you it was half that. Yeah. No, it it, can, it, can, it couldn't possibly be more than that. It was all po- post-ups or uh, three-pointers for him last year. So, in a weird twist, basically since like the Monte Calderon year, they – at a time when – once Marion was gone, and even Marion at the end – um, he was the only one they had, and he was declining significantly. Uh, Harrison Barnes is at 1.2 last year, so he's tripled it mm-hmm. this year. They went from having zero 3 and D or defensive, switchy, big guys who can, you know, who are pretty athletic to having like five of them. Because mm-hmm. I saw our buddy Austin from Mavs Moneyball tweet this last night. If there's a redraft 24 games into the season, Finney Smith is absolutely going in the first round. Yeah. And he's undrafted. Now, he's playing a lot of minutes because he's on a team that, because of their injury situation, is one of the five worst in the NBA. But Falwell said last night that there are only four guys from this draft who are playing more minutes than him. And wow. he's, in the last four or five games, looks like an NBA player. He doesn't. He looks better than Justin Anderson, frankly. Oh, yes. Absolutely, I would agree. That's like the, the ROI on Finney Smith right now is is off the charts. And, and it's he barely made the team mm-hmm. um, and kind of had to go nuts in the preseason and in summer league to even get a spot. But the weird thing about him is he actually had like better statistics in college than Anderson. Yeah. But he was old because mm-hmm. he transferred and he played three more years at Florida. But he was 37% as a freshman, dipped down to 30% from three. These are from three. And Florida, his, uh, his first year at Florida, so his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. But his junior and senior year combined, he was 40% from three, or That's 39. Nuts. And Anderson was good for one year from three. Yeah. Yep. So I think it's that deal where because he played so long, it 
it's like that thing where the more you see of somebody, the more flaws you're going to find in them. And they mm-hmm. now they don't have as much upside because you've seen so much of them. They're 24 or whatever. And now it's like, uh, I don't even really want to take a chance on that guy. I think that guy's going to be here for a few years. Yeah, I think they'd be smart to uh, at least let him be a role player going forward. Because well, he's signed next year. Yeah, he's locked in. And I think like the best thing I can say about him as a rookie, as an undrafted rookie, that's catching 30 minutes a game or more, whatever his average is now, last night he played 32, is that I don't notice him a lot of the time because he, sure. just, he, just, he just fits in. He shoots the threes when he's supposed to shoot it. He attacks whenever the lane is just wide open for him. And on defense, dude, he's a problem a lot yeah. of the damn time. Like, he, he wreaks havoc a lot of the time. And, I mean, you can do a lot worse than a uh, – a 3-and-D small forward who can pull down, you know, six, seven-plus boards a night and occasionally score 10-plus. And if he starts knocking down threes, like, the sky's the limit for him, I feel. Yeah, and I, again, we're talking about a number of guys who probably aren't impact starters on NBA teams. Although, I mean, this is where Wes Matthews came from. Mm-hmm. A guy yep. who, because he didn't really have – definable offensive game goes undrafted works his butt off and now is making you know 16 million dollars a year Mm -hmm. it's pretty unlikely that finney smith ends up that way but it's happened before i mean why why couldn't he be danny green like for sure you know sure or even al farouk aminu although aminu got picked pretty high he just flamed out really early yeah his first couple years in new orleans and nobody wanted him but and he's struggling now he's been hurt but i don't know i just i look at their team and i see four or five guys that are controllable, who are going to be here for at least two or three years, who are, if not borderline starters, they're at least guys who can be in your top eight to top 12. Yeah. Now, that's where the pick comes in. Mm-hmm. And whether you, <clears throat> I mean, if you're picking in the top five, you're looking for a guy who's going to, I mean, you want borderline all-star. Yeah. And yeah. I think Barnes is probably borderline all-star this year. Matthews, I think I think he should be, but who knows if it actually They won't happens. be because they won't have any wins, but they're yeah. both playing well enough to be all-stars. So you would have two guys who are borderline all-stars. You pick in the top five or top ten for two years, and you hit at 80% of what you would expect from those, mm-hmm. you are, you're a playoff team again. Yeah. Now, the problem is Wes will then be old, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as we were talking about the other day. But, right. Man, I, don't, I, I look at what I saw from them last night, and, you know, you get – 43 points and pretty smooth shooting out of Barnes and Matthews. And then you get just a ton of other action from guys that you've spent very little on. Uh, yeah. Like, Cur- like Curry, like Vinny Smith, like Salah. That, that bench that's, gonna, that's been like already built over the last couple of years that's going to be probably one of the strengths moving forward is that you already have an insulated bench uh, because of all the young guys you have on cheaper contracts. I mean, even Dwight Powell in a couple of years might look like a, a decent contract. Um the bench really did a number last night, and it was evident that the Nuggets were on uh, – well, I mean, Salah's technically a starter, but <laughs> you know what I mean. That bench crew, that's going yeah. to be the bench crew moving forward. Uh, it was evident that the Nuggets were at the, uh, the end of a six-game road trip, and they had zero interest after a little while of competing with these dudes that I hope are all uh, the bench unit going forward. Like, you, you have a lot of problems on this team. One of them is your depth should not be a problem moving forward. Yeah. And if you 
The Nuggets are not bad. I mean, they're what, no, they're nine fine. and sixteen now. I mean, they're they're having trouble putting it all together. Mm-hmm. They have to figure out what they're doing between Nurkic and Jokic. Yeah. Um, Moutier is not shooting the ball all that well. He was pretty good last night, but I'd love to have a guy like if 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 they end up playing drafting someone who just plays like Moutier, mm-hmm. I think that he'll come along faster as a Maverick than you would as a Denver Nugget because oh, everyone else on their team is twenty four. Yep. And their best player probably comes off the bench, although he was awful last night, uh, Wilson Chandler. But, I mean, you're talking about it. If you inserted Moutier into the lineup that the Mavericks have right now, I think he'd be further along. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd agree. Just, I mean, they've changed coaches at least once in his tenure, and he's only been there two years, right? Mm-hmm. And they've rotated. They've had – I mean, all of their big men were adjusting to not only um, rookie basketball in the NBA, but, like, coming to America <laughs> in Nurkic and Jokic. And, I mean, they're pretty talented, and I think the future of the Nuggets uh, for the next five to ten years should be Nurkic and uh, Moutier pick and roll until you die and maybe sprinkle in some Will Barton, who was god-awful last night. Good God. I didn't see yeah. his box score till now. But um, I, I, I think you put him on the Mavericks, and he's a different player. And, and yeah. Moutier. Yeah, and I, and I guess the point of that is not so much the idea that he would ever be a Maverick, but just that – if you're tracking what sort of development you can get out of a guy, and I think he should have went higher mm-hmm. than he did. I don't I, probably the fact that he was in China actually hurt him a little bit. Yeah, I think so for um, sure. But he still went at seven. Mm-hmm. So you're talking hopefully about getting that type of athlete and then mm-hmm. putting him into this system, this culture, and with these types of players. And you think that they'll probably be a little bit further along. Now, as you said off the top, and probably to conclude, they just can't do this too much and <laughs> right. I think you can see I think you can see whenever and it's it's remains to be seen if Matthews and Barnes will play this well they certainly won't put up the same raw numbers with Dirk in there but if you add Dirk to what they have now I would not be surprised at all if when he comes back if he's healthy if they go 500 in the games he plays in now I think that they're bad enough right now to where if they're like 15 under when he comes back like let's say they're 12 and 27, mm-hmm. that's half the season. Yeah. So if I then go 21 and 21, I mean, I know my math's not perfect there, but now you're, you're covering around the, 30, yeah. Yeah, roughly. Mm-hmm. So I that is pretty – I mean, that's 30 to 35. And 30 yeah. to 35 it is probably going to end up being – That's probably the fifth the Fifth, yeah, if you're just slotted it not based on the lottery, you're probably mm. going to end up with the fifth or sixth worst record in the NBA. Yeah. Fifth to seventh. Mm-hmm. And that's not great. Yeah. I, I, I don't read too much into winning last night and winning against the Pacers on Friday night. Last night I, I saw the Nuggets quit, <laughs> basically, because it was the last game of a six-game road trip. And once the Mavs uh, starters came out and, you know, uh, put them in a headlock. They really didn't have a lot of interest. But there are still a lot of just teams that have just that sorry gene in them. And I have to do a lot of Pelicans games, and I see it on random nights, like whenever they got their ass beat by the 76ers the other night, where I'm like, you have no business losing this game. But yeah. the, the other team has enough, like in the Mavericks case, they have enough, uh, they have enough playmaking um, on the perimeter when Barnes and Matthews are cooking that it's – you're not going to overcome that if you don't bring your very best. And for a young team at the end of a road trip that didn't give an F about the game, you know, I should have penciled this in if I would have looked at the Nuggets' schedule. 
um, as a game that's a coin flip game. But, you know, I watched the Nuggets a couple times this year, and that team is more talented than the Mavericks this, at this moment. It was almost just a scheduled a scheduled W for the Mavs. Yeah, and uh, we should mention that I don't know how many other NBA teams do this, but Seats for Soldiers is cool. Oh, that's badass, um, man. I mean, like we were talking about sitting close to the court earlier, mm-hmm. uh, I always kind of think that it's a little cheap to just do the, hey, we were honoring this one guy because – right. I don't know. You go sit in a suite, whatever. Like, that's fun, I guess. But sitting close to the floor at an NBA game is a singular sports life experience. And it's just, I don't know. There's something magical about it. And to the, the fact that they get full buy-in from the season ticket holders, I mean, I don't even know if they really have a choice. But I doubt anybody's right. going to make much of a fuss about it. Mm-hmm. The Mavericks have the entire court, baseline and down both sidelines, completely full of military personnel and veterans. So, mm-hmm. It's pretty cool because you're talking about even on even if you were to buy those on a, a night like last night where the team's not very good, that's going to cost you a few hundred dollars. Oh yeah, and they and they do it for the you know for the the entire uh, all the way down around the entire floor. So it's pretty yeah. cool to see in person. And they're what ten and two now in military. Uh, that's right. Seats for soldiers' nights. That's pretty crazy, but I guess it makes some kind of sense. I don't know. Um, that would get me kind of fired up. I'd be like, I'm not going to play like ass because those dudes are sitting right there. <laughs> yeah. Like there's some kind of psychological effect to it, but yeah, I should, I didn't factor in seats for soldiers nights. <laughs> and then I would have penciled it in as a W just find whoever they're playing that night and put a W on it every year. It's cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, back at it to, uh, tomorrow night hosting the Pistons at the AAC that is a – where did my schedule go? Well, I lost it. Screw me. Uh, there we go. 7.30 tip. And Jake will have postgame, correct? Or do we have stars yep. interfering? Okay. No, we're good. We got postgame uh, tomorrow. And uh, maybe maybe tomorrow we'll talk about Dennis Smith if, okay. you're, if you're interested in that. Because I got some inside info from okay. an un- unnamed source that he's very, very, very high on their list. Nice. Um, so I might take a look at Dennis Smith later today, and we might chop up some of his stuff and preview the Pistons tomorrow if that works for everyone. Thank you for listening. Jacob, thank you for your time. Good time. See you.